Join me right now is one flyweight rising contender, Gary Mangit. What's going on, Gary? Not very much, man. Just chilling out here in Vegas, getting ready to finish up my last week of training out here before we head out. All right. Uh, before we get into your next fight, I wanted to talk about the Toronto Raptors. You're a proud Canadian. You were at Jurassic Park. What was it like out there? It's wild, man. Just the whole scene of being in Canada and stuff. It was just crazy. I don't think our country has come together since, like, since Team Canada won the gold medal in the 2010 Olympics. It wasn't the Raptors aren't just Toronto's team; they're Canada's team. So um, it was just crazy to like have to build our schedules around it, and you know, be a game coming up. Everyone's so excited about it. It, it was a cool time, man. I hope there's a repeat of it again because it was it was awesome. Loved it. And this year, hopefully going to OVO Fest, and that's going to be another victory party out there. So uh, can't wait to check that out, too. Yeah, it must be great uh, to kind of have that hype and have the, the momentum kind of bounce off them and onto you, into your fight. Does it feel great, man? Of course, man. It's, it's exciting. It's just cool to see, like, like, I obviously represent a completely different demographic and stuff. But it gives you still the same sense of idea of what, you know, individual or a team can, what kind of wave they can cause for a group of people. They like, like, we wanted to be just part of the moment, right? We don't play for the Raptors. We're not part of the Raptors organization, but we all feel like we're part of it. And I, and I'm hoping that people that follow my fight feel like they're part of my journey. That's why I shared so much on Insta story stuff. So they feel like they're part of something. So when they watch my fight, they're kind of indebted. Like they're emotionally connected um, to seeing me rise because they feel like they're rising with me. So I've always wanted to make it that way. Speaking of Instagram, I was doing a little creeping on there. And uh, I saw that you wrote in your profile, number one Indian fighter in the world. What does that mean to you? Best pound for pound Indian fighter. Like there isn't another one on my level whether you're lightweight lightweight heavyweight doesn't matter um in any organization um uh, i am the most decorated i am the most exciting i am the best one out there and um yeah and just like i think it's pretty well established and uh i take great pride in that because i started this with no background and nothing i didn't come into this with anything and from having a dream of just hoping to fight on some local show like King of the Cage or something, to now fighting on the biggest promotions. And, um, and it wasn't even more so me that put that title. It was put on by other people. It was put on by one. It was put on by other organizations. So um, just having to live up to that it also gives me a sense of pressure that I could put that on myself. But it's been put on me. So I take great pride in it. I think I've earned it. Well... You did show your ability in your promotional debut last March. You looked, I think, in my opinion, you know, I followed you for a while now. You looked the best that you ha you have ever looked. What do you contribute to the performance you had, especially since you've been out for a year? Yeah, um, I changed up a few things. Uh, um, and I kept the same formula for this one was that I came out to Vegas um, and Vegas is just a different environment, man. Just like this time around, just the heat added factor, the, the training partner still high level, the amount of workload you do, uh, the coaching, um, and then taking my camp to, to Tiger Muay Thai to finish up at so I can get acclimated. 
Um, I also started working with a sports psychologist, um, uh, Fight Mindset, uh, Joshua Emanuel. And he works with guys like Josh Emmett. And um, if you've seen Josh Emmett fight, he's been knocking out guys too. And he contributes a lot of it to this guy too. So I do a lot of um, sessions over FaceTime with him. And we do a lot of visualization. We do a lot of stuff. And, and a lot of people don't know, or you, you might know, that I, I was actually admitted in the hospital the night, of the, night before the fight uh, with really bad food poisoning. I wasn't able to hold down nothing. And I was, I was about to be pulled out of the fight where I told them, listen, I'm fine. I went in there with an empty stomach and I still had the best performance of my life. And I give a big contribution of that to the training that I not only was doing in the gym, but everything I was doing outside, the way I was doing recovery, the mindset stuff I was doing. Um, I was doing a lot of altitude, like uh, training and stuff. I was doing altitude training up in, so in Vegas right now, we're about 2,000 feet up already, which is almost like it's only, I think it's 500 feet less than mile high in Colorado. Um, then I'm also doing altitude training, so adding on top of that. So I do about, I do like this machine that causes altitude to be 15,000 feet more, plus 2,000 feet, but I fight on sea level. So my lungs are just on a different level. When I go down to sea level, it's, I get all this oxygen. But during the camp, while I'm having to do this, it's really tough. And I think all those things contributed. Um, just a lot of heavy, I'm fully focused out here. I moved out to Vegas, I didn't move out to Vegas, I do my camps out here. But um, nobody else is out here with me. It's just me by myself. I'm fully focused on the task because I take this uh, promotion and the level that I'm at very seriously and I prepare accordingly. And I showed that night. And yeah. And they didn't give me an easy guy to start with, right? They gave me a guy who had beat the flyweight champ, gave me a guy who had, who had fought the top two uh, 135 contenders, including my teammate, uh, Fabiano Fernandez. So I think they were really testing me, just like they've been testing a lot of the new signees. Uh, to see if they're worth the marketing to be, see that they're worth the work, and um, hopefully I earned it. We're Chaudhry and all of them. Yeah, you definitely earned it, and it did seem like they did put a big test for you in your debut, just like everybody else. And some of the big names did not come out too well in their first fights. When you saw that you were in Japan, when you saw those fights and you saw the upsets, and even Demetrius Johnson. He had some adversity in his first fight too. You know, his eye, his face was beaten up. I don't remember the last time he had his face beaten up in a fight, right? Even with Suhudo. So, what did yeah. you think when you saw that in in Japan in uh, in Tokyo? Uh, yeah, it started with Eddie, and then actually, I think it started with Andy Sauer. Uh, and then it went to Eddie. The Eddie one was the most shocking one. Um, then DJ getting caught a little bit, but like you know, he just still came out on top, but. But still, man, it goes to show you that people, if you don't know the name, doesn't mean the skill level's not up there. And I think that's what one's proven right now. Is that, listen, you may not have heard these guys in North America, but there's a lot of top-level talent, and it's not just in the UFC. And one, one championship, it has a lot of the top, top fighters in it also. So I think that was, that kind of woke everybody up a little bit. They even woke me up, even though my fight had already happened, I already won my fight, but it let me know for future fights. Now listen, man, you can't underestimate anybody. If you hadn't heard of them up until this point, that doesn't mean that they can't take your head off. And just like this guy that, uh, um, that I'm facing on my next fight, I train like I'm training for a world championship. So mm -hmm. the way I always approach it, it's the way I've always, I don't want to be one of those statistics that got caught thinking that I had an easy fight. Yeah, speaking of the guy that you're facing next in your second appearance in the one cage is 
Abril Fernandez. He's one of the best, one of the best coming out of Indonesia. Um, did you expect to face a fighter like him in your second fight, or were there other offers? No, they uh, actually had other offers, but those fighters backed out. And uh, then they brought me him. And for me, I've never really uh, with them. When they gave me Tony the first time, um, it was just about <clears throat> it, it was just about what date. I didn't really get say in um, uh, who uh, if I had another option. And then with the same thing with this one, it wasn't so much the, the option of picking who I got to fight. It was more so when did I want to fight him. And I had no problem with it. I don't think I will have problems with it. Um, he is one of the best to come out of Indonesia, but uh, that doesn't really m mean much to me. Um, I faced the former Bantam, that Cage Warriors Bantamweight champ, and I knocked him out in the third round. And I don't really care. It makes no difference to me. So it's safe to say that you will fight anybody. It doesn't matter where they're coming from, what level they're at. You're just trying to build your resume. Yeah, uh, you know what? This approach changed only once I got to one championship. And the only reason it changed is because you got to think about it up until that point. It's not that I was picking fights, but everything's a business, right? I'm a business. The organization I fight for is a business. And everybody's trying to get the most amount that they can get and get it at the biggest platform. I'm at that point now. I've hit the peak. I'm at the peak. Now I don't care who they put in front of me. Because I know the millions of eyes that will be watching. I know I'm going to be paid my worth. So now it doesn't matter. You don't want to get, you don't want to take a loss at a smaller show and get stuck on smaller shows. That's every fighter's goal is to get out of the small leagues and keep climbing, keep climbing, get to the UFC, get to one, get to the big organization. And that's always been my goal is to strategically get to that point. Now I'm there. Now I don't care. They can put whoever they want. You can put me in the Grand, uh, the Flyweight Grand Prix. You can put me against Abra Fernandez. You can put... If, if if Abro falls out, you can put another guy, it makes no difference. I'm there for my people. I'm there to represent them. And I know I'm prepared. That's why I do these camps the way I do them now. I also have leveled up on the way that I approach this. I don't, um, I leave home again. I leave home six to eight weeks at a time. I come to Vegas. I focus on the task at hand. It's what it's all about. Then I go to Phuket to acclimate. Most of my fights are in Asia. And um, yeah, I do it the proper way. So, not guys, I don't see anything. Yeah. How important was it for you to go out a couple weeks ahead of time to go to Phuket and get acclimated? Because, you know, a lot of guys only have a couple of days. Yeah, it's really important. It's also a part of it is a lot of the guys that I'm going to be facing are going to be from Asia already, such as Indonesia right there. He's already acclimated. He's already down there. Um, uh, for me, a lot of my fights have been overseas. I've fought in... Bahrain, I fought in Dubai, I fought in India, and my biggest issue is jet lag. It's always when I go five days out, even my corners that come with me, we have so much trouble um, just trying to wake up, trying to do the pads, trying to get our bodies adjusted, and it, it, it really, it's tough. It's tough. If I can get out there a week early, and I can still do a week of training, then by the time it's fight week, I've already been acclimated. Last time it worked wonderfully. Like, you know, I, I was... I was I forgot like uh, I wasn't able to go to sleep till 1 a.m. and stuff like that not falling asleep randomly in the middle of the day so it's very important for me that's why I want to keep the same formula that I kept because if, if, if it's not 
broke, then don't fix it, right? And we found something. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of coordination and logistics. But it came out with a victory. And last time, it'll come out with a victory this time. Now, of course, the title is the ultimate goal, you know, and there's a lot of contenders out there. Who do you think you need to face to get the title shot? Because I know you probably want to get it by the end of the year, right? I'm really in no rush. Um, I know that, like, obviously the Flyweight Grand Prix is going on. They got to figure it out amongst them first. And then whoever wins out of that is going to face uh, uh, the 120, uh, the Flyweight Champ. So I'm guessing that fight will probably be February or so. So now we're looking at March. So I'm on the outside of the Flyweight Grand Prix. So I'm thinking I can probably get two more fights where whatever, whoever's not, because there is some top contenders outside of the Flyweight Grand Prix also. And I think I'll be able to slip my way in. By the time that's all done and whoever whoever is the champ at that time, they will look to a contender who was never part of it. And I think I can be that guy and, Hopefully we can take it to India. Hopefully I can make history and and we'll become the first ever Indian world champion in mixed martial arts and, and the biggest promotion. Speaking of India, has there been any talks, any word about the event happening there? Um, I, there's just been rumors here and there that possibly 2020, but nothing is set. Um, right now, I think they're trying to grow the Indian talent. Um, I do believe a lot of it rides on me also. They need some somebody to take there where the people can, like, you know, embrace as their own. And I think that's very important also. So so I think right now they got the Philippines, they got Japan, they got Thailand. They, they got all these areas where they can go to shows and sell them out all the time. We're going to Malaysia, which has a huge Indian following, which has been crazy. I mean, I'm getting messages like crazy from people that want to, want to meet me uh there's even a special section that's set out for me right next to the ring for all the people that are coming to watch me and i've never been to malaysia in my life and people that are uh, they want to take me to the temple because it's very important to me to go to the temple before a fight and then to set up like a special kind of uh we call it our thoughts which is kind of like um it's like a prayer that you do and you usually have kind of if you be around somebody or something and they want to do it around my fight so that's crazy because I've never been out there and these people are messaging me and like they want to set this up and they want to figure out ways to come. That's incredible, man, that you have all these opportunities now, you know, because other promotions would not do these things, you know, would not put out a section for you in a country and go to certain yeah. countries that you have certain demographics, you could relate to them. Like the and Yeah, like the UFC would have never done this. They would have. They missed an opportunity. They had an opportunity to get a billion people. And they missed the opportunity. One saw it. One, one is also the perfect promotion for me because I don't have to act a certain way. I don't got a trash talk. They also live by the values of it. Uh, it it's a blessing that it worked out the way it did. And uh, for me to like, I enjoy fighting again. I was losing a lot of interest. But once I went to one and I went and saw my first event in Japan, I fell in love with it again. I couldn't wait to get out there again. I couldn't wait to embrace the fans again. And it's, it's because of one, I fall in love with the sport again. All right, one last thing before I let you go. Uh, you know, the flyweight tournament is going on right now, and I know you have a lot of interest in that. And the next, the semifinals are happening in the Philippines, August 2nd. Demetrius Johnson is going to face 
Tatsu, Mitsu, Wada, and Danny King ad is facing Kairat Ahmedov. Between those fights, who do you think will make the most exciting finals? Out of like the two fights? Um, yes. Let's see. I think DJ versus Danny will probably be because Danny's kind of like his wild. He's not the most polished fighter, but he's wild. He kind of throws, he kind of goes to the walls. And uh, I think he's going to have to kind of do something like that with DJ. He's so technically perfect almost. And that uh, he's going to have to bring like that kind of random it factor that DJ might not be getting in the gym of just like his wild combination. But DJ figures it always out, man. And, like, you know, he always figures it out. He has a genius behind him. And, uh, but regardless, I think that would be the most exciting one. Yeah, I completely agree with you because a lot of people are underestimating Danny. And Danny yeah. does have that wild style, you know, and uh, it would be something that DJ would might possibly have problems with compared to Akhmedov. Akhmedov is a technician also, so he doesn't mm -hmm. go in there and take too many chances. So, yes, Danny is someone that uh, could give some problems. Uh, DJ's fought somebody like, like, um, uh, what's his name? Agmedov. Uh, yeah. Uh, he fought, uh, uh, what's the Russian wrestler back in the day? Oh, I forgot. Bagutinov. That's it. Yeah. So he's faced a, a similar style like that and he handled it. Right. So he needs something that's wild. It's kind of like why I think the first round went the way it did with DJ, uh, in the, in the first round. It was, it was wild, it was more explosive, it was different, right? And it's something that the Asian martial arts brings to the table, I, I feel like. It's a different kind of fiber. Definitely. Well, you know, if your friend uh, DJ makes it to the finals and wins the finals and he faces Adriano Moraes, I think that is a phenomenal fight. Adriano brings some unique skills. He brings a unique skill set that DJ has to figure out, which is going to be fun to watch. Anyways, July 12th, Malaysia won Masters of Destiny. Gary makes his return back to the cage. Thank you, Gary, for your time, and uh, good luck to you, man. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it.